With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon with you until noon. Busy hour, momentarily, Nick Athen. On the Chiefs-Broncos Thursday night football, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. In about, oh, 15 minutes or so, we will preview uh, Texas Tech-Iowa State, but take a good long look uh, into yesterday's basketball media day uh, with Alex and then Mark Morehouse at 1140 previewing Purdue v. Iowa homecoming Kinnick Stadium at 11 o'clock. Well, let's get into it with Nick. It's a it's a Chiefs team that's lost two straight. It's a Broncos team that's won two straight. That doesn't sound right, Nick, but that's the way it is. Uh, Lee Sterling, who just joined us, called this a must-win game for both teams. You know what? Yep. I get this point. I really do. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing fine. How about the must-win game? You want to go there? Oh, I think absolutely. I think it's obviously a more must-win game for the Chiefs. No disrespect to the uh, Broncos fans out there. Um, I think this is a this is a bounce-back game. Um, they played terrible the last two weeks. A lot of injuries. Uh, they kind of lost their. Uh, <clears throat> they lost, when Mahomes loses his swagger, mm-hmm. you know this team's in trouble, and he's definitely lost his swagger. Um, and I think that uh, you know we're about to find out. You know how badly this team believes that they are a Super Bowl contender because right now I put them a notch below um, you know that that path right now I think they just got too many issues on the offensive line on the defensive line um, you know they got a lot of injuries I mean that, you, know, you take any NFL team and you take five or seven starters out you know you're going to struggle I don't care who it is um, and so they really had to deal with that but they have to win this game tonight uh, just for their sanity they'll give them 10 days to get ready for the Packers on Sunday night. They'll also give Brett Beach some time. I think he's going to make some roster additions uh, this weekend. So I think there'll be some other Chiefs, new Chiefs available for that game. So uh, I think a lot is riding tonight for Kansas City. So tell us about Patrick Mahomes. Certainly has not looked himself. We know he's dealing with an injury right now. How much of it is injury-related? How much of this is the offensive line in the state of flux? Tyree Kill is back, but now you're moving wide receivers in and out. I know it's a confluence of kind of everything together, but what's the biggest factor for his struggles here as a late? It really is just it's more the offensive line than the ankle injury. I mean, he's he's having he's being forced to become a pocket passer, and he's not a pocket passer. He is at his best when he's mobile, or at least has the threat of being mobile. You know, he can escape the pocket. He makes plays on the run. I mean, he's the best quarterback I've seen in a really long time throwing the football on the run. Mm-hmm. And I think this offensive line is just so bad right now. Um, you know, they're trying to bring some – they're trying to bring Rankin in there who played pretty well last week. Um, but, you know, they're struggling right now, you know. Um, I'm not really sure 
how they fix it in three days, you know, getting ready for this game. I mean, they're going to have to probably run the ball more. But, you know, the Broncos' defense is playing better than it ever has. And, you know, they've got their swagger and confidence back. And, uh, you know, I still think they have issues on offense. But defensively, this probably, based on the environment that the Chiefs are going to be playing in tonight, is by far going to be the toughest defense they faced so far this year. Um, so they're going to, the Mahomes is going to have to be, have the threat of moving around, um, you know, pull out the left handed pass. Um, they're <laughs> going to have to be a lot more creative. Uh, they're going to have to be a lot more creative offensively. Um, Watkins is out. Robinson and Hardman have really struggled mm-hmm. to be the guys, you know, after their breakout games, and they really haven't done anything since. And that's a problem, too. Travis Kelsey dropped, what, three balls last week, four balls last week? Um, you know, uh, Williams dropped a touchdown pass. I mean, you know, you got all these things that pile up, and guys just aren't stepping up offensively, and you add the woes of the offensive line. And, and you know, right now, you know, our star quarterback is running for his life. Mm. You know, Nick, we've had this conversation over the last couple of years with you that uh, you know, as I watch Kansas City and Denver as a Denver fan and watching Von Miller – Mitchell Schwartz has has Von Miller's number. Uh, he just does, yep. uh, and I don't. You know, I, I don't think he's the best right tackle that Von Miller goes up against, Nick. But whatever right. reason, he plays like he is whenever he sees Von across the line of scrimmage. He's done very nice job shutting him down. Uh, do you anticipate that Schwartz will be able to do that tonight? Well, I guess the question is goes back to you: Why line him up on that side? <laughs> Well, especially now with Bradley Chubb uh, out for the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, that's the thing. Even, you know, the last three, four years, that's been the case. And mm-hmm. he's always lined up on that side when we've been, you know, Fisher, you know, when he's, when he's on, Fisher's a, a good left tackle. I wouldn't say elite. Uh, but right now, you know, you've got Cam Irving at the left tackle. Right. It's terrible. I mean, I'm, I just sit there and I go, okay, I'm going to dip my shoulder. I'm going to go under his shoulder pad and I'm going to get four sacks tonight. Yeah. You know, but if he's lined up against Schwartz, you know, he's going to struggle. I, I think, I think, you know, whatever the scheme is for, for, for Denver defensively, that's, that's where you start. When you know Chubb, you know, they don't really have another true pass rusher on the outside like the Chiefs, you know, with their struggles. No, they, tra- they let him walk to Tampa Bay, and Shaq Barrett's leading the league in sacks. <laughs> well, you know, they did. They didn't they, need him, I guess. <laughs> we, we, can, we can get into the whole Elway debate someday. Right. <laughs> but they didn't going to be today. Uh, but... You know, I, I think I think I think Von Miller is first of all he's a class guy. Yep. He's one of the best players. He is he's a Derek Thomas clone. You know, I've seen him do things that only I thought Derek Thomas could do. Not as consistent as Derek, meaning from game to game, big moment to big moment. You know, he he he, he hasn't quite eclipsed that level yet, but you know, just don't play him next to you know, line up across from shorts and I mean he should clean up. They're gonna have to bring a tight end to chip. Um, they're gonna have to, you know, have a running back back there. Um, they're going to have to really be careful where he is because this offensive line is very vulnerable right now. Nick, uh, defensively, banged-up team, certainly not a big step forward. A lot of people are hoping for after the firing right. of Bob Sutton in the offseason. But that quarterback spot looks like nickelback Kendall Fuller, who's about as good as you're going to find as a nickelback. He's going to be yep. out. Breland, questionable. We'll see it tonight if he's going to give it a go. If those guys are out... They're going to have, what, Honey Badger playing maybe some slot corner? They're going to have to do something different there because they are incredibly thin. Yeah, Lucas will have to play corner. Thornhill may have to play corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, they got Mo Claiborne, who's looked pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, in his in his short time in Kansas City. Uh, Traveris Ward is going to have to step up and be the man. 
Um, you know, you've, you, 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 they're going to have to. I mean, I don't think Joe Flacco is going to scare anybody in the Chiefs. You know, secondary, even depleted as it is. Um, you know, he's he's kind of struggled quite a bit so far, and I think the Chiefs are going to take advantage. This is going to be the first stand in the pocket quarterback they've faced since what week one. Um, you know, everybody else has you know had the ability to move, and uh, so I think the Chiefs are going to um, be in a situation where they can really tee off. But um, you know, it's it, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's it's well, we'll we'll see. Look, uh, Emmanuel Sanders didn't finish the game last week. I I think he's practicing. They hope he's going to play. Cortland Sutton is is emerging. I think he's going to be a really good player for Denver. Elway finally right. he hit on one there. No offense a bust this early in his career. I mean, it's too early to no, to call him that. Uh but, you know, I I wasn't real pumped up when they made the pick at 20. I just don't think he's going to be a, as good of an NFL tight end as a lot of people thought he was going to be busted over the top. That's unfair, but he hasn't taken steps forward. Uh, the offensive line for Denver, you can get to it. I think this is, um, boy, Nick, I don't know. I I thought that Kansas City was going to march in and just crush him. Yeah. I did. But, but Mahomes being mortal, maybe, makes a difference. Yeah. No, it makes it makes this really boils down. At the end of the day, I think this is going to boil down to coaching. You know, I, I think I clearly Andy Reid has the edge here, and if Andy has learned anything from his mistakes in the last two games, and I put I put both these losses square on him for some horrific play calling, uh, based on what was being thrown at them, and based on the fact they didn't take advantage in the last couple of weeks of rookies and first year guys in, in the secondary. So if you factor all that in with the struggles and, and, you know, Broncos got their mojo back defensively, you know, this is going to be a fourth quarter, maybe an overtime game. I, I, I don't see an edge for either team, to be honest with you. I mean, I think this is going to be a three to six point win either way. Um, I give the Chiefs a slight edge just based on coaching and the fact that they just own the AFC West, you know, during the Reed era. Um, you know, I think that plays into what they won five in a row in Denver. Well, I don't think uh, Denver's know. beaten them since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah. Since Peyton Manning's retired, so I mean that's that's a long time in yeah. the NFL world. Um, so I, I listen. I, I think if the Chiefs want to be in the Super Bowl conversation, they win this game by twenty points. If not, and this defense continues to be leaky up front um, and just you know get thrashed for one hundred fifty two hundred rushing yards, you know they're a, they're a three seed probably. Um, they're not going to get home field advantage. I mean, they're going to win the West. I don't think, even if they lose this game tonight, I still think they're going to win the West um, because I just don't think there's anybody else in the West that's that's going to climb above them. There's just too many other. All, all those teams have issues. So, Chief, um, sorry, Nick. Uh, Chiefs still feel like certainly the best shot of beating the Patriots come playoff time in the AFC. But the team that has knocked off the Chiefs the last two weeks, the Colts and the Texans. <laughs> What do you think will be the team best equipped to to get to a Super Bowl out of those two come January? As far as the Colts or the uh, Texans, yes, um, I, I mm. yeah, I'm, I'm shocked by the Texans. I'm going to be honest with you. I I think they're playing at a level that I didn't think they were going to play based on all the chaos in the offseason and all the changes. I think the Colts have the superior coach. Um, I think the Colts have the superior front office. And they're probably, I, I, to me, I, I would say the Colts. Um, now, does that mean the Chiefs are going to can't beat them uh, on the road? I think the Chiefs are a better team on the road right now. I think they think too much pressure at home. But um, I, I think the Colts, to me, are the better team. I mean, I like Deshaun Watson, but he still threw two picks. You know, he didn't throw any deep passes. He, he couldn't hit anybody deep. You know, he still has trouble reading defenses. 
And quite honestly, if the Chiefs were able to stop the run, I, you know, I don't think I don't think that was a I don't think that was a game. Um, I think when you look at the Colts, they have the rushing attack, they have the passing attack, they have the attitude on defense. They've got playmakers. They've got some young guys in the secondary who have just been extraordinarily playing at a pace that you know we're only jealous of here in Kansas City. So I think to answer your question in a roundabout way. I think the Colts scare me more than the Texans do home or away. Uh, Nick Athen, uh, you can uh, follow Nick on Twitter at Chiefs Insider. You can read him at Fansource HQ covering the NFL and the NBA. One of these weeks, Nick, we'll carve out some time to talk about uh, Fansource HQ, uh, but we'll do that in the weeks yep. ahead. We'll do. We'll talk to you next week in advance of Sunday Night Football, Packers mm-hmm. and Chiefs. That's a five star beauty, no doubt about my, that. My 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 number one and number two team. I really can't wait. Good stuff. Oh, I was. I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm a huge Packers fan. Uh-huh. I get it. Now. I'll have to tell you. I'll have to tell you my Paul Horning story next week. All right. I will save some time to do so. All right. We'll. Okay. We'll. You uh, got it. We'll do that uh, a week from tomorrow. Thank you, Nick Athen. Enjoy the game tonight. I appreciate call. it. Yep. Bye bye. Appreciate it very much. Take bye. care, Nick Athen. Fansource HQ Chiefs in uh, Chiefs Blitz Chiefs Insider. I'll get it right. Chiefs Insider uh, on Twitter. So you're a Broncos fan. I'm a Bears fan. Do you have a second NFL no. team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. The Vikings. The Vikings. The Vikings would one. be your son's a Vikings fan. That's probably the main. And I'm PA. You know, I like oh sure, your PA. buddies with PA. Yep. That makes sense. But yeah, uh, the Vikings would be it. So I'm a Bears fan. Mm-hmm. My second team. It gets worse. Browns. Ooh. So my grandpa Kettleson, Grandpa Dean. He was the one that really. My parents aren't big sports fans. People are always baffled by that. Neither of my parents really like sports. My dad never watched sports. The only thing that beyond close to sports would be like a IndyCar race or something like mm. that. That's all he watched. But Grandpa Dean, I'd sit there. This back in the mid-80s. And he had one TV on Sundays with the NFL game on. And during this month, during October, he'd have the second black and white TV nice. that had the baseball on. So it'd be watching both. He'd re- read the big peach to me. But he was a Browns fan. He passed away right before 1986 in the AFC Championship game. Mm. So I remember it well. Had a soft spot, and that's also a reason I hate your Broncos. <laughs> right, and that horse face John Elway yeah. still annoys me. He, Thirty uh, some years later, he crushed a lot of fan bases' dreams. <laughs> those brownies, and it has been ugly ever since. I will take a timeout. Alex Halstead joins the fray next. We're going to take a long look back yesterday at Iowa State basketball media day. By the way, Iowa State was just picked seventh by in the Big Twelve coaches poll. Okay, seventh. Let's you said to start the show, right? Uh, the, at the very top, there's a couple, and then that middle. Uh, very, very, uh, a lot of parody. Uh, but first, before we do that, Trent, let's do this. And what is this? Well, it is time to put another $1,000 in your bold bankroll or wherever you could use that $1,000. Simply text the keyword CAR to 200-200 right now. CAR to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. Mark Morehouse on Iowa. Before we get out of here at noon, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, with you until noon, 15 minutes or so. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. We'll preview Purdue versus Iowa. Bob Sanders, the honorary captain on the heels of Ricky Stanzi. Last week, Bob Sanders 
uh, honorary captain homecoming Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City this weekend, 11 o'clock kick. They should have saved Bob Sanders. <laughs> saved him for a better yes. game. Don't you they think? got a losing streak against Purdue. you got to do something to ah, turn it around. Fair point, fair point. Uh, let's get Alex Halstead in here. Iowa in a few minutes. Right now, Iowa State. Alex, good to talk to you. Trenton, Ken, we would like to start with basketball media day from yesterday, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fine. I was just going to tell you guys, it's starting to get to the time of year. We're going to have to figure out what to talk about because there's a lot of both going on, uh, starting with yesterday. Yes, indeed, there For are. For many years, it was very easy. It would be basketball all the time by the time it's we got to this point. point. And uh, yeah. Matt Campbell's changed that conversation just a little bit, Alex. That's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, we're we're in the heart of covering uh, Iowa State trying to stay in the Big 12 race the next couple of weeks, and at the same time, basketball mm-hmm. starting a season where they're just big sevens, but I think they have higher expectations than that. I do, too, and I think Bolton's a big reason for that. And I, I guess on one hand, you know, you take a look at all the – the scoring that they lost and the playmakers they let they mean some there's some good players uh that exhausted their eligibility in aims after the season this year so on one hand i understand why they're being picked the way they are but on the other hand there's a lot of talent there and you know i guess i want to start with zion griffin who is really uh a guy that you know he was a i don't know if he was the biggest uh, talker yesterday, the one of the bigger talking points yesterday, but a lot of people, a lot of buzz on Griffin after media day yesterday. What can you tell us? Yeah, Zion Griffin, I would agree, would probably be the biggest talker yesterday, and it wasn't some, like, you know, fabricated media story in terms of media day. You know, sometimes media day, you, you're talking to so many different people that maybe some story can kind of get inflated, it seems like. It seems like every year at media days, programs across the country talk about their depth and then it ends up being the same as the year before. But this was the storyline where Steve Prohm unprompted in his opening statement said that Zion Griffin is the most improved player uh, on this team. And, um, you know, it sounds like he's really carving out a role for himself. You know, that was kind of the thing last year is right before he got to Ames, he had the MCL uh, injury. It was kind of minor, but then he had some family issues. And so, you know, he kind of had a setback last year was, you know, the number 103 overall player in the country coming in, a, a well-regarded four-star prospect. And, you know, now it sounds like he's probably going to add some depth to that front court, probably be uh, a four, a small ball type guy. Um, and, you know, his role really, Steve Prohm said, is to make threes uh, when, when they're there. You know, they want him to shoot around 35% and uh, really crash offensive class. And it sounds like him on the offensive class has been what's really stood out to them. And, and they'll find out a little bit more as they go into these secret scrimmages the next two weekends. You know, uh, Tyrese Halliburton has had so much buzz in NBA circles, and you look at those draft lists, he is up there. He's not a guy that stuffs the score column. It's not who you typically think of as a future NBA star, but people love him, his versatility, his ability to shoot, his ability to run a basketball team. But in terms of scoring, what are the expectations for him this year? Can Tyrese Halliburton be a guy that they can go out there and get 14-15 tonight? Yeah, that, that's you know one of the things that he was asked yesterday is how much does your scoring have to increase? You know, Sam and Steve Cromer both asked about that, and, and he said, yeah, it has to increase. You know, whether that means there's a night where he's got to go score thirty, but he said there's you know might be nights where he scores eight and they win and, and that's fine. So I think that's what's going to be most interesting with Halliburton is I don't know if we're going to consistently see him say score you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen every night, but I think that's where the number is going to come out to because I think there's going to be nights where he scores twenty four. But there might be nights where he scores 10, uh, because I think that's just the type of player he is. He, he doesn't really force a lot of shots. I think that's one thing we saw last year is, you know, he averaged 6.8 points per game last year, but that was on 4.8 shots per game. You know, he really has taken good shots. He shot 40% from three. Um, so I think that's what's going to be interesting is we all know his role has to increase alongside 
you know, probably Prentice Nixon and, and Rozier Bolton coming in. Uh, but I don't know if consistently he's going to do it every night because I think, you know, he kind of hunts his shots when he can get them. So he said he does need to hunt shots a little bit more. He needs to be good at that. I think he's going to have an opportunity to score because I think he's going to play off the ball at times as well. Um, so that's really one of the most interesting things is how much does his scoring increase and is it consistent night to night we're seeing him score 14 or is it – you know, some nights he's scoring 8 to 10, and some nights he's scoring in the 20s. Hmm. Which of the freshmen will have the bigger impact on this year's team, Alex? I think it's going to be Trey Jackson, you know, kind of without a doubt. Uh, it sounds like he's probably going to be able to work himself into uh, the, the true rotation. Um, you know, he's been one of their standout guys. He's a guy that I think they feel comfortable can go and, and make shots from beyond the arc. Uh, right now, it sounds like he's been playing the main point guard on their gray team, which is kind of their number two team. Mm-hmm. Uh, their red team is their one through six or so. So he's been the main point guard. Um, and, you know, I think Steve Prohm said yesterday, if they really want to go true small ball, this is not something they practice a ton. But if they really went true small ball, it would probably be, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Rozier Bolton, Prentice Nixon, and Trey Jackson as the four guards. So he's already being discussed in, in that uh, area. But, I think he's going to be the guy, but I, I won't count out Caleb Grill still playing a role. You know, Prome did say yesterday that uh, if you're looking for another guy that can come off the bench and hit a three, that's the one thing that Caleb Grill does really well. So those two are for sure the two freshmen that are going to probably play this year. But I think uh, Trey Jackson, you know, is probably in mind to play more minutes of those two. With Halliburton in the emergence here, the freshman you mentioned, Trey Jackson. What does that mean for grad transfer Prentice Nixon, the sit-out transfer, in fact, uh, from a year ago? Senior year, sat out a season for this one. How does he fit in? Yeah, they think he can be a double-figure scorer, but the, the really big talking point around him is, is defensively they think he brings the toughness. Obviously, he's coming from a, a Colorado State program where he was coached by Larry Eustachie, and I think that's instilled him mm. in a little bit. But yeah. it sounds like he's the guy that can guard the point guard on the other team. So I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but they really think, Prentice Nixon, Rozier Bolton, and uh, Tyrus Halliburton are kind of interchangeable in terms of playing the one through three. Um, probably maybe more so the one through two when you're talking about um, Nixon. So I think he's probably going to guard the other team's best player, at least in, in the backcourt. Uh, and then I think he can also handle the ball. You know, uh, Halliburton said that he'll probably be the guy that brings up the ball if it's just, say, a half-court offense. But in terms of you know how they like to play getting up and down the court, they think that whoever get, whoever's closest to the ball, Halliburton, Nixon, or Bolton, it's going to be the point guard on that possession in terms of bringing the ball up the court. So all three of those guys are going to be kind of interchangeable in that regard. Uh, last basketball one for me, unless Trent Scott one will segue to football, but uh, how hungry did uh, Solomon Young appear to be? He's got to be ready to get on the floor uh, and have an impact. as uh, He was missed last year. Yeah, he's hungry in a couple of ways because uh, he, on his Instagram, has been uh, sharing stories of him cooking at home. And, oh, really? Uh, he said that's, it, that's his big passion away from basketball is um, – learning to cook and uh, sharing that with the world. So uh, there's that part. But, yeah, he's, he's really hungry in terms of, you know, he's dealt with a lot. You know, every year it's been something, something different in terms of injuries, and I think he's finally healthy from all, from all sounds of it. And he's penciled in probably right now in the starting lineup. You're probably looking at Halliburton, Nixon, uh, Bolton in the backcourt, and then uh, Michael Jacobson at the four and Solomon Young at the five right now. So uh, he kind of knows his role, Steve Combs said, uh, you know, go out there and score a little bit, but I think a lot of what they want him to do in terms of scoring is probably on putbacks and that sort of thing. So he knows his role. He's really quiet, um, but I think he's been a good leader for this team as well as you know now a junior on this on this roster. 
Let's get into some football before we run out of time. It's Texas Tech on the road this weekend. Alex, one thing we were talking about, certainly injuries and, and what is happening with Eisworth as he sat out and the injury to Orion Vance, both of those guys. Me but reading between the lines, I'm not sure if either guy is going to play. Ken was at least a little bit more hopeful on Vance. What are your thoughts on those two guys, their chances this weekend? Yeah, the injuries, you know, sometimes are all kind of all, all over the place in terms of what we hear. Um, you know, last week, Eisworth started the week as probable. He did practice towards the end of the week, but then didn't play. And now he's, you know, Campbell yesterday called him questionable, which technically would be a downgrade from last week's probable. So it's hard to get a gauge on those. But um, I think Eisworth uh, is probably getting closer to playing. I think the question is, do you want to play him this week or do you try to give him even one more week and make sure you have him for a big stretch run? Not to say this game isn't, uh, important too, but I think you just you got to figure out how far along you can get him. They really liked what Braxton Lewis did last week. I think that probably eases them into allowing Eisworth to have a little bit more time. Uh, Lewis graded out according to Pro Football Focus as the top uh, safety in college football last week. Mm. I mean, obviously we saw that with our eyes just yep. in terms of what he was able to do in the game. So I think that gives them a little bit of comfort if they do need to give Eisworth another week. I think you know Vance is really important. You know, he's the guy that had a sack in every game before last week. Um, and really disrupts things. And I think, you know, Mike Rose moved inside, played really well. Jake Humble can come in, Bobby McMillan. But Vance gives you a different type of pass rushing ability that is going to be really important. The one thing with Vance is we really haven't heard what the injury is, but uh, Campbell did say he's questionable. So, you know, with what what we've heard, I'd probably lean towards one or both not playing just because mm-hmm. it seems like uh, day-to-day tends to come become week-to-week uh, in recent weeks. Mm. That would be three starters out of the lineup if uh, neither of those two gentlemen can go. Hey, last thing for you. Matt Leo's really coming on, and I know he's getting a lot of press this week, especially after that game over West Virginia. I think he's had a really nice senior season from where he was to where he's at now. Is there a chance? I know he's older, and that might shy, uh, scare some NFL teams away. Maybe he's not drafted, but is there a chance he's going to be uh, be given a chance to continue his football career after uh, his senior season? Yeah, that's kind of always the question because, you know, coming out of JUCO, you know, he had kind of all the intangibles or at least the measurables. And uh, you're right, you know, I think he's 27 years old now. So he's an, an older senior, of course. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that maybe has to for sure lend to him being kind of an undrafted free agent. But he's got the, the size and he's just starting to come on in terms of, you know, football knowledge and kind of knowing his assignments and not missing assignments to the, to the point where, you know, as an undrafted free agent, when, you know, the NFL loves the measurable so much, you would think someone would maybe take him at least for that and take him to rookie minicamp and, and see. I think he's still got a lot of work to do, but, you know, you got to keep in mind that he's really been playing football for, you know, what, four years or so. So um, he's finally starting to hit that stride, but, yeah, he does face the dilemma of, also being in his upper twenties already. Yeah, excellent. Uh, that that that's the biggest hindrance for him. Has he been? Have you guys asked him about you know what he plans to do after this year? Uh, we haven't really, but you know it's going to be interesting, kind of with him and I guess Jamal Johnson. You know, we it's kind of the same thing with yeah. Jamal Johnson. We're starting to see him come on his own, and saw that last week with him blowing up that screenplay and everything. So guys like that, it's interesting to see if you know. Probably not draft picks, but Mm -hmm. would they be willing to do that or go to the XFL or something like that? Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, great piece, uh, great hit. As always, we appreciate you coming on. We will uh, talk to you a week from today. Thank you, Alex Halstead. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. We'll take a timeout. Mark Morehouse will wrap things up with this. We will take a look at Purdue versus Iowa. Uh, 11 o'clock kick on Saturday morning. Miller and Condon till noon on 1460. 
KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Final segment of the program on a Thursday. Thanks for being with us. If you missed any portion of it or there's a guest you missed or want to hear something that they said, uh, go to KXNO.com and click the podcast link. Podcast will be posted within 30 minutes of the show. Ten. Ten minutes of the show concluding. Uh, let's get Mark Morehouse in here uh, as we take a look at Purdue, Iowa, a get well weekend in Iowa City. Mark, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, good. Good. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Certainly feels like uh, this is uh, just what the doctor ordered, right? A banged up Purdue team. Uh, that's uh, missing a whole lot of pieces, that's going to throw the ball. Uh, I, I would think that Hawkeye fans, as down as they've been over the last couple of weeks, Mark, they're going to get a, a jolt of uh, um, of good feelings, perhaps, as they leave Kinnick Stadium with a resounding victory. That's how I see it. Am I wrong? No. Uh, I pick an, I'm picking Iowa 40-17-ish, somewhere in the neighborhood. Uh uh, Purdue is averaging 63 yards rushing a game. This is not a this is not a serious Big Ten team with a serious uh, agenda. Uh, the one thing that Purdue has, I mean, Purdue has a couple things. Uh, they have a two game winning streak over the Hawkeyes, so that kind of shows you okay. Iowa does have to keep its guard up here, but also uh, it was how Purdue got those two wins. They did it the exact same way: the long ball with mm-hmm. speed. And I think this roster does bring a certain element of speed. Uh, it feels like Jeff Brom has identified that as the differentiator for his Purdue. Um, a lot of athletes from Kentucky. This has a Southern flavor, almost an SEC type of uh, athlete base. So there is a speed element here that Iowa has to deal with. It it shouldn't matter that much, though, in this game. So losing streaks are never fun by any means, Mark. And noticed uh, you getting some questions. Doc, the, uh, the register guys here with Chad and... And with Mark, it's just being a beat writer, being there day in and day out, the fan base, they think it's easy. Well, just ask the tough questions. <laughs> Why doesn't the media ask the tough questions? And we hear this every single time, seemingly there's a loss or a losing streak. I, do people, I don't know, maybe it's also being, I guess, a part of the media here, but you're not going to go in there and start hollering at Kirk Ferentz, even if you see things that aren't working. It is a professional relationship, right? Well, yeah, and and he is asked about what's not working. The questions that need to be asked are asked every week. Uh, it's just the – I think people are looking for the big fight, the big dust-up, yeah. or some sort of weirdness. Uh, uh, the, the, Mike, uh, the, the Mike Gundy moment where, you know, I'm a man, I'm 40. Um, <laughs> maybe there have been I – I wouldn't say there's been pointed questions. There may have been dumb questions maybe that – and, uh, hey, me included – uh, that may have triggered that kind of response, but you know this is why Kirk has a PR firm because they coach him out of that kind of, kind mm-hmm. of reaction. So I don't think you're going to get that pound of flesh if that's what you need to get through the day. Now, as far as the questions go, in my opinion, and this I'm biased because I'm you know one of the one of the question askers. Uh, I think the questions are need to be asked or asked, and they're mostly by the same people. And I think some people on the beat get unfairly pegged as homers. Everybody asks the tough questions. Everybody asks questions that need to be asked. I'll say it that way. Uh, and so this be, the work that needs to get done here does get done. 
Um, I think the switch flip maybe in 2014 with that football. I think after that football press conference, <laughs> there have been no there have been no benign post games for Coach Barron. Uh, the guard is up and his guard is up, and that's when he got the PR firm. And yep. I think that's you know kind of why we're we are where we are with this uh, discussion. Des Moines based PR firm, if it's still the same one that they've been using over the last few years, yep. that's the one. Uh, yep, absolutely. Andy Garman works for that P- PR firm, if I'm not mistaken, who left KCCI to to go to that firm. You know, my partner. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Andy does, and actually, uh, he he's helped us get some uh, interviews that we weren't getting before. And uh, it's uh, I've known Andy for about almost twenty five years. Is now. that a fact? Really, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's been on Rapids TV for forever, and uh, I, I always tell Andy when he left, I was happy because uh, the they did, the, the guys that they replaced him with way back then they they weren't in the news like Andy was. Andy's Andy grew up with hawks in his bones, so. He would get the occasional kernel of news that I have to pay attention to. I didn't have to worry about that after he left town. <laughs> uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, is our guest. Uh, and, you know, it just wasn't the fans. Well, my partner's one of them, and he was even grumpy on Monday, Mark. I came in here praising what I thought Nico Regani's best guess. Slow down a little bit. Did you see him try to return punts? Uh I thought he played well, Mark. As a wide receiver. As a wide receiver. Trent bit my head off, and I know that that's <laughs> fair, that you know the, the punt return's maybe not there. But I saw, I saw maybe Regani's best game as a wide receiver. We, we even talked about this in the podcast. Absolutely agree. Um, he is, he's a retro freshman, and he's jumped into this like he knows what he's doing as a receiver. Uh, 24 catches. I think he, he's second to Ivory, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Amir Smith, Marset, and yak which you wouldn't 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 expect but uh, 125 yards of yak uh uh 65 percent uh, com- uh completion percentage i think with him um yeah the punt returns what what i don't like the last few weeks he's been hesitant mm. and uh, to me when a punt returner is hesitant you got to make a change or take that off his plate let him be a wide receiver he is only a redshirt freshman uh we nominated in the podcast uh geno stone and just have him be back there playing defense just in case there's a fake. Catch the fair catch the ball gets your offense on the field. It's just a matter of catching the ball right now. I think Gino's a more confident player, um, and let let uh, Nico learn and get back to it. Maybe because he does lead the Big Ten and with ten yards of, re- of return, there is a, there is an upside here. But he's also I think an important receiver on this offense already. Let him be that. Offensive line still remains the big question mark. They're, they're going to be able to run the football, certainly against Purdue, but it's really getting that line formed and ready to go before they get to Camp Randall. You can talk about Northwestern next week. Good defense over there. But if I was going to still hit the goals that are still out there, it has to be a win at Wisconsin. Is it hopeless? Is there still hope in the interior of the offensive line, and specifically the guard position, that they can be good enough come November 9th to win that kind of game? I would say no. right now, uh, week to week, uh, I was facing a team this week that has a two-game losing streak against. It's going on the road next week to play a team that it has a three-game losing streak against. Mm. Iowa has its work cut out to it for it to, before it even can get to its Super Bowl. And that's where I'm putting the Wisconsin game this year. It's if Iowa can get there at six and two, uh, three and two in the Big Ten, that is their Super Bowl. Because if, if they lose there, the championship season's over. Um, and right now, Ken's reaction—I heard him. I heard, mm-hmm. I heard him in the background. Yep. I, I think the logical conclusion is here that no, Iowa will not be able to handle Wisconsin. And uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry if that breaks everybody's hearts, but look at it realistically. Wisconsin has shown no weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they crushed Michigan like a, like an apple core, uh, throwing his buddy in the wood chipper. Uh, that's what Wisconsin is right now. It's the wood chipper, and it's it's uh, it's spinning out parts that uh, people don't know how to put back together. So uh, I wouldn't say uh, right now. I'd say Iowa doesn't Wisconsin strengths and what Iowa I would perceive as Iowa strengths right now. They don't match, and uh, uh, Wisconsin will be a ten-point favorite. Mm. Mark, I want to talk about the running back position. Is 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 there perhaps a chance that Sargent's a little bit banged up? I remember Trent and I early in the year talking about how confident he looked, and we didn't see that last year, his first year at Iowa. This was a guy that was hitting the hole hard with a plan, and it showed the first few weeks. Is there something there with Sargent who isn't, hasn't been the same, certainly maybe the last couple of weeks, uh, as he was earlier in the season? What do you attribute that to, or are we all wet? I, I, I don't know. Um the fumble at Michigan seems to be sort of a logical place to start, but running backs fumble and they move on from that. That's just how you have to be. Um, maybe he's lost some traction. I mean, what's happened in these last three weeks? Well, Tyler Goodson's gone up the ladder, mm-hmm. and frankly, right now, I'm, I'm, I think it's time to edit it down. It's time to get to Tyler Goodson and Torn Young. I think Torn Young has value here, uh, averaging six yards a carry. They need to figure out what he can do with maybe 20 carries. But if they get there, I think those, I think Goodson and Torrin have to be the ones carrying the ball right now because they have the most upside. Um, Makai has his place. Uh, last week, his pass protection, I didn't understand it. Uh, really, he's kind of taken a, 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 a step back there from his first year where I think he was just jumping into things and not really thinking about it. Uh, against Penn State, he drifted out of the middle a couple of times and left, uh, left it open. And I think one, of, one or two of those plays ended up in sacks. So, there's something, there's some drift there, and uh, I think right now with the way this team's going, um, it's time to really go to Tyler Goodson because you, you've already burned his red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule gets a little softer now. Let him get some confidence. Maybe you have something going into Wisconsin. And, and Kelly Martin, did I see earlier this week they want to redshirt him? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it sounds like uh, they're going to try to preserve that, and I think as long as there are no in- as long as there are no injuries in the backfield, they might be able to do that. Long term wise. Is there a bang for the buck there? Um, I think it would give Ivory Kelly a, a chance to grow, a chance to see the game a little better. And, and who knows, maybe he comes back next year and he's the guy. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Maybe. That. Who knows? No, absolutely. Uh, he was the guy at one point. He was. He um, was. Not saying he, not saying he can't be again. August 2018, the star of August camp. And boy, have we seen a lot of those that never came to fruition. Hey, last thing for you, Mark. Mark Morehouse joining us from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. It was spring, summer, August. We were talking about this for a long, long time. I was changed defensively. The philosophy is changing. We're a 4-2-5 team. Ten plays in, they're no longer a 4-2-5 team. They go back to the traditional 4-3. If there's ever a time to break it out, quarterbacks finally healthy. A team that has obliterated you throwing the football what will we see this weekend? Is the four-two-five making a comeback against the Boilermakers? You know, it, it, I I want to say yes, but I think wouldn't have last week have been really the time yep. to, to lean into that? Mm-hmm. So right now, it tells me that they're not comfortable with uh, what the prospects are there. And yeah, Kirk Ferentz said it. He said that the four-two-five is part of their DNA now. And I think that's a pretty strong statement. Well, this year you, you can't say it's been totally closed out, but it's been mostly closed out. 
And now, Trent, I'm kind of stuck on the idea that maybe that was just a Monty Hooker. Maybe, mm, that, maybe yes. that was just a Monty Hooker. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then who else did they bring on the field? At, moving Monty down, who did they bring on the field? Geno Stone. Geno Stone. And boom, there you go. That's why that move works so well. Geno needed to be out there. Uh, Geno's one of their better football players. Uh, that made them a lot better last year. So there's no Lamani this year. And uh, I, I don't know if they, they just, that position, you know, you can get caught out of position pretty quickly. Um, you need a tackler in space. Uh, it's a tough position to fill. And right now, I don't think that they like what they're seeing. I mean, I think that's the conclusion we draw. So they're willing to put Nick Neiman, the outside linebacker, on a guy like KJ Hamler and take their chances. That's the reality of the situation. They are not seeing what they want out of, out of the cash position. And so that's why it's not on the field. Um, sure, that it feels like maybe a broken promise. Maybe they get back to it, but I'm starting to think that uh, this situation only this year, it's just not going to happen. Hmm. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, thank you. Appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you next week. You bet, guys. Take care. Yep. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. I think they're going to whoop him, and so does Mark. Whooping. Whooping. Come get your whooping, Purdue. The hated rival. That's right. The old leaders and yes, legends. I remember Protected that. Protected crossover Purdue. Purdue. It gets no, you throw it all the records, Trent. This thing has 11 o'clock ESPN2 written all over it, it every does. single season. I know it isn't, but here we are. Uh, we've got the football game tonight. Which side of this are you going to be on? Chiefs are a favorite in the football game. At three and a hook, I, I do like Denver. You do? I do. Something's wrong with Kansas City. Something deeper. It's an ankle, perhaps, of their quarterback. And the cornerback position, we were talking that earlier with Nathan. Athen, that really makes mm-hmm. me nervous for Kansas City. you got to have dudes that can cover. Yeah, but Sanders didn't finish the game last week, and it's a short call. week. We'll see. I mean, Sutton's going to be a real player in the league. Anyways, uh, busy day tomorrow, uh, but thanks for being here with us today. If you miss any portion of the program, you can always go to the podcast link at kxno.com. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, Cyclone Fanatic Radio, Hawkeye Nation Radio. Have a wonderful Thursday on 14.